Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks, and welcome to the program. A little over two years ago, a major bomb went off in the world called COVID-19. <laughs> I'm not sure that even a, a nuclear bomb would have had equal damage. It impregnated the fear of dying around the world and killed over six million people. I would submit to you that two years later, this fear thing is still flowing out of the mouths of the afflicted and suffering victims in the world. Now, Jesus tells us that there will be wars and rumors of wars as the day of our Lord returns and draws near. But in all reality, all throughout creation, there has always been a worldly war going on. Scripture tells us we're not waging war against enemies of the flesh and blood alone. No, this fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against supernatural powers and demon princes that slither in the darkness of this world and against wicked spiritual armies that lurk about in heavenly places. That was Paul in Ephesians 6.12. Years ago, shortly after I surrendered to the Lord, I was reading Scripture in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. It says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. Life seemed to me so obvious early on in my walk with the Lord. Just living here on planet Earth, waiting for eternity to happen. I was just carrying on day-to-day life as usual, striving for satisfaction, and making ends meet was the goal for contentment and success, so I thought. Oh, of course now, do church on Sunday, and this eternity thing is in the bag. So, when I die... I'm heaven-bound, right? Well, (laughs) not so much. Let's be honest. If the truth of the matter is really known, the flesh doesn't want that dying thing to ever happen. We'd like to stick around as long as possible for selfish reasons with excuses and to remain clueless. But I want us to look now at how Paul explains his interpretation of dying and why he felt the need to stick around. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read uh, verse 21 through 24. Paul's talking says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
But if I live on in the flesh, he says, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart. Paul wanted out of here, you might say, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needed for you. Now, Paul says he's hard-pressed as to leave or stay. He says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, how many times do we hear a remark like that from anyone? To die is gain? Well, I challenge you to read Paul's sufferings in 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 22 through 29. And you'll see what Paul went through for the Lord in his walk with the Lord to make COVID-19 look like a stubbed toe, if you will. Now, my take on Philippians 1 is what the church is not understanding. Life on planet Earth is a privileged moment that God uses each vessel to bring him glory. Paul says to remain in the flesh is more needed for you. Now, my friends, our sufferings, persecutions, and afflictions are not meaningless these flesh bodies are vessels that he created to inhabit, to reach his people and bride, to be for his kingdom. Look what the Gospel of John in chapter 15, 2, Jesus speaking, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes. Now, I don't know if you know a lot about pruning, but if you're a branch, that hurts. He repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Now, my friends, our loving God has gifted each image bearer with their own special talent and or gift to be used within the body of Christ. And to not seek him, the Holy Spirit, for counsel and wisdom, it's a sin. We will never be satisfied on earth, whether a believer or non-believer, because, you see, we've been created for eternity. Our life here on earth is but a millisecond in comparison to eternity. Now, with all that said, the scope of God's work is proceeding as planned. He's not fooled or upset about a plague or a war. It's all in his plan. In the Garden of Eden, man broke covenant with his Creator. But guess what? 
God knew this was going to happen before he ever created the world, or man, for that matter. So now enters into the plan what I call the three T's, trials, testings, and temptations. Now, James, the, in his epistle, uh, he shows us uh, to count it all joy for adversity that we go through. Because, you see, persecutions, sufferings, and lusts of the flesh fit the three T's to a T, you might say. But by enduring these adversities, we are schooled up in patience, and patience produces perfection. You see, the Lord is preparing his bride for eternity without spot or wrinkle. Now, I want to just take a look at uh, what the writer in Hebrews, how he explains these trials, testings, and temptations, and how they hinder the bride's maturity. And the way he does it is because we happened to get distracted and we happened to be bothered and we happened to be stressed out over these three T's. Hebrews 4, the writer is saying in chapter 15, I mean chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are without sin. So what he's saying is Jesus went through everything that we do or will ever do, but he didn't sin and a lot of people say, well, he was God. Yes, he was God. But when you get to Hebrews 5, verse 7, Jesus, talking about Jesus, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, the Father, who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his, this is key, godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9 goes on and says, And having been perfected, there's Brother James again, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now let's go to verse 11. Hebrews is saying, of whom we have much to say about Jesus and his sufferings and hard to explain since you have been become dull of hearing. Now that right there, verse 11 is basically a chastisement of the church. He goes on to verse 12, and he, he says, the writer says, For by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again, 
the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Well, sadly, I feel this scripture is so apropos for this time in 2022, as the church is becoming more clueless and blind in their understanding about God's plan and what's going on. For though by the, this time you ought to be teachers of the word, that scripture said, what are we waiting for? There's going to be adversities. There's going to be problems. There's going to be sufferings and stress that goes along with it. So the Lord has gifted each and every person to bear fruit, to pray, to disciple, to teach, to help, to give, and in order to accomplish his will, here it is. His will, we must die to self. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're just here today on planet Earth, and I pray that we will seek you with our hearts to see the needs that you have put in front of us. Paul says he knows it's more important that he remains here for our need, for those needs of the ones that were listening to him speak. But the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What Paul went through is spoken for us right now in 2022, Lord. So, Father, I just lift up every listener around the world that's tuned into this podcast, Lord, that they would seek you for more wisdom and that they would understand that they are to die daily, die to self daily. Father God, I just lift them up and I pray that whatever they're going through, that they would look to you knowing that you've been there, done that, to the point of shedding your blood on Calvary on a cross. Father God, you've taken our sins away with your grace. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you and we pray, Father God, in your precious name. Amen and amen. Well, until next time, I'm Neil Parks.